Welcome to the Jewish Roots Life Group. I am Steve Wright, your host, and enjoy this journey with me in increasing your Christianity, your faith, by looking at it through a totally different lens, a Jewish lens, and we'll be taking this journey together and discovering our roots of our faith. All right, shalom, y'all. Welcome back again to the Jewish Roots Life Group. And tonight we have for you one, part one of the menorah. And like I was discussing before, before we started filming this, this is a picture in Israel of uh, my wonderful, beautiful wife and I. And here I am in Israel with, that's right, Tennessee shirt. <laughs> And here is my beautiful wife right here, in case you're wondering where she is in the photo. And what you're looking at, this is kind of a really cool, this has nothing to do with the menorah of the tabernacle or temple. Uh, it is a depiction of a menorah. But what this one is, it's straight across from their parliament house, which is equivalent to our White House. And it is an artist took liberty to take scenes from their history and put it on the different branches here. So each branch shows a part of their history. And, and that's what these parts are. And if you uh, look it up, look up the menorah across from the parliament, and you can see this, and you can see it'll explain to you what each one is and part of their history. So it was kind of really cool. So I just thought I'd show that to you just because it's cool. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with the tabernacle other than it's in the shape of the menorah. So my question is, what are the two most recognized symbols of the Jews, and what do they have in common? The two most recognized symbols are the Star of David and the menorah. Everybody's recognizes them. Everybody. If you see this, you think of Jew. You see this, you think of Jew. Right? You don't think of me, you think of Jew. <laughs> That's I won't charge you for that one. All right. But what do they have in common? Other than here they're both blue, but that's not what I'm talking about. What do they have in common? That's where we're headed. And both of them are saying the same thing, but in a different form. So first we're going to go here, then we're going to go back to here, because this is menorah one, and next week is menorah two. I would say that Pastor Galen is reading my notes because if you listen to the sermon Sunday about and when he was on Revelation this is what he introduced 1 Corinthians 13 the chapter of love 1 Corinthians 13 13 these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest is love and here is part of that, the word love in Hebrew has the numerical value of 13. Also, Abba, Father, has the numerical value of 13. The Ichad has the numerical value of 13. The Ichad is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And that last word, Ichad, means makes everything one. Not that God is one, he makes everything one in him is what that's saying. And they're all united in and through love. So that's pretty 
self-explanatory, right? The greatest of these is love. So the question naturally is why or how? Why is it the greatest or how is it the greatest? Faith, and this is part of that, remember when I told you about how it woke me up in the middle of the night and I started writing and three pages later, this is part of it. Faith is what gets you to it. It's what gets you to all of it. Hope is what gets you through all of it. And love is what gets you to do all of it. There's a contemporary Christian singer named Don Francisco. He has a song, and part of that song is, Love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. So when you get to love, it's what you do, it's not what you feel. Let's say Jesus felt like dying for us. But it wasn't an act of love until he did die for us. You see what I mean? He could have felt it all day long. He could have wanted it. He could have felt it. But until he did it, that was the ultimate act of love. Love is the doing. Okay? So faith, hope, and love. Now remember when we got to the tabernacle and you had body, soul, spirit from the outer, inner, and holy. Let's see, body, soul, spirit, inner, or outer, inner, holy, faith, hope, love. Hmm, wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> you have two triangles here, right? One's pointing up, one's pointing down. You put the two together, what does it form? Star David. The Star of David. Now, the one pointing up and the one pointing down, let's take a look at this. Faith. What do you think the next one is? Hope. Hope. And what do you think the one? Love. Love. And guess where love comes from? Above. Right? Now, this one you're not going to get. That's why I'm going to give it to you. All right? So here's the faith, hope, and love part. Now, let's look at this part. The moed. Remember from a while back, the moeds are your appointed times or your festivals. The, the God said, this time, this date, all right? The Torah, which is your five books. And then the last one is your temple. Now here it's a tabernacle series, but I put in the word temple. We can say tabernacle, but I put temple because the temple was a permanent. The tabernacle was temporary. But So when I say temple, we're going to interchange it just this once with tabernacle. Here, if you want an example of what I'm talking about, <coughs> if, remember last week when we talked about the bread of life and being at the marriage supper table of the Lord, right? Well, if you're going to be at the marriage supper table of the Lord for the wedding feast, right? For the big wedding feast, first you got to have the instructions. I'm what to do, what to wear, how to get there. These are your instructions. The Torah was the instructions on what to do. Then you gotta have the moed, the time. It's gonna be Saturday, March 25th at seven o'clock. 
That's your appointed time, your date, if you will. <laughs> and then the last one is the place. Where is this wedding going to take place? That's the temple. So you have your instructions, you have your time, and you have your place. All right, so you have faith, hope, and love, your instructions, your time, and your place. You put them all together, and God's trying to tell you that he wants to be in the middle of it all. He wants to put them all together because <coughs> the Spirit of God wants to dwell in the midst of his people. He wants to be the center of it all. The Spirit of God wants to be in the center of it all. He wants to be in the center of your heart, the center of the church, the center of everything. And that's what we're going to show here. So, so far, is this making sense? Because I'm laying a groundwork that, and then we're going to come back to the real menorah here in a minute. But this is just the Star of David, and you're going to see how they overlap. How it all works? First is faith starts in your mind. And how do you get that into your mind? Through the instructions or the word, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you can't have faith without hearing the word, without the instructions. You can't fix a sump pump without the instructions. <laughs> Unless you're bad. Unless that's right. So here's the first part. All right. The second part is hope. And that goes through the heart. And that's where the temple of God is your body. And guess what the center of your temple is? Your heart. That's why you enter the gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Does that sound familiar? If you are gracious, if you are thankful, where does that come from? The mind or does it come from the heart? If you're truly gracious, it comes from the heart. Right? Praise. You want a heart like David? David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because praise. It came from the heart. So here we have the hope coming from the heart, faith coming from the mind. And the last one is love, right? Love is the strength, all right? And our appointed times. And what does that mean? Our gatherings, our meetings, we have to come together, right? That's where our strength is. That's why you have many, many scriptures that says when several cords are wrapped together, it's hard to break, right? Iron sharpens iron, right? Don't forsake the assembly. Why? Because that's our strength. We are united in love. We do all things together through love, and that's our strength. That's what strengthens and encourages each and every one of us. Making sense so far? Are you with me? All right. Put it all together now. All right. This is going to be kind of odd because you probably haven't heard it this way, but that's okay. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Simple. God is love. That's faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails, right? Now here you have an algebraic equation, right? A plus B equals C, right? So if God is love, 
and love never fails, therefore God never fails. Amen. Right? And in Joshua 21, 45, it says, Not one of all of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Not every, or it says every single one was fulfilled. Not one of his promises has ever failed. God is love. Love never fails. Therefore, God never fails. Right? Amen. Don't put that away yet. Faith, hope, and love. Watch this. If we are bound together, really bound together in God's love, we will never fail each other. Theoretically. By the book. Right? If we are really loving each other like we should, and bound together in God's love, we will, we will not fail each other. Because we can't. Because we're in God's love. That never fails. And... The same relationship between you and God should be the same relationship between brother and sister. Uh, but how many times do we fail God? Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now we didn't fail each other. <laughs> yeah. But you see what I'm talking about here. All right? and, and then the whole thing is to show the power of love and the strength of love. And it's going to be all here in the menorah pretty soon. I'm just laying the groundwork. All right? Now... What does it have to do with the menorah? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> First, I'm going to say this. Psalm 119, 105. Your word, or thy word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it took me a long time to understand this. Alright? There's two sections, or two parts to this. Lamp to my feet and light to my path. So it's a lamp and a light. And I was like, what, what? I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it until I was woken up in the morning. And guess what? The lamp to my feet to show me where I stand with God and a light to my path to show me where I'm headed, where I'm going. So the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, like the menorah, shows me how I'm standing with God and where I'm headed. It's a light into my path. It does not say a light from where I came. It's a light for where I'm going. Because the menorah always faced forward, never backward. But you'll see that in a minute. So this is in Psalm 119. So this is in the menorah to show you how you stand before God and where you're headed. And that should be our faith and our hope so that we'll do things through love. Alright, here's the instructions for the lampstand or the menorah. If I say lampstand, same thing. You'll make a lampstand out of pure gold. The lampstand in its base and its shaft be made of hammered work, its cups, bulbs, flowers, all one piece. One piece. Make it with six branches going out from the center, three on each side. Now, no, it says six branches, right? There's another menorah that has nine. We'll get to that in a minute. This one says six. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms. We're going to get to that in a minute, too. Complete with buds and petals. There's a reason for that. 
You ever thought about, okay, wait a minute. Let's stop right here. God is telling Moses, this is how I want you to make it. And God's telling Moses, almond blossoms, buds, petals, why? I'm glad you asked. We'll get to that. <laughs> Crack the center stem of the lampstand with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches. Of, this is the instructions. I'll show you pictures of it and explain it here in just a second. This is just laying the groundwork of this is how I want you to make it. Now, Exodus 25, 31 through 40. The almond buds and branches shall be one piece with the center stem. They must be hammered from pure gold. Make the seven lamps for the seven lamps for the lampstand. Set them so that what does it say here in red? Reflect their light forward. The light from the menorah always went forward, never backward. Lamp into my feet, light into my path. Never goes back, always goes where I'm headed, where we're headed. Right? The lamp snuffers and the trays must also be made of pure gold. Check this out. 75 pounds of pure gold. That menorah was 75 pounds of pure gold. <laughs> be sure you make it, okay, everything exactly the way I told you from the mountain. Now, there's two things here that I want before we go on. Number one, this is one of the few items that was pure gold. Remember, everything else had acacia wood, right? This did not, pure gold. The labor was the only one that did not have acacia wood, right? Because it was made from the mirrors from the women. This one has pure gold because, think about this, the wood represented humanity, right? The gold represents divinity. divinity, deity. This is pure divinity. No humanity. And in that pure divinity gives pure light. In that divinity gives pure anointing from the anointed oil. There's nothing, there's no humanity associated with it. Alright? So this is just laying the groundwork. By the numbers, here we go from Rabbi Sobel. <laughs> this here is the Hebrew word for lampstand. And it has a numerical value of 300. Yes, that has a meaning. <laughs> here it comes. Now, the 21st letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Sheen. And it has a spiritual number of 21 which means appointed time. In Hebrew, the character Sheen is used to represent the number 300. The spiritual number 300 means God appears. So you say, why, why the letter Sheen? Do you remember when we were talking about the posts and it had the letter Sheen and the Sheen was the letter for God? What do you think this means? The 21st letter is Sheen. It means appointed time. And in Hebrew, the character Sheen represents 300, which means God appears. So the lampstand is saying, at an appointed time, God will appear. Moed, your appointed times, God will appear. 
at a certain place at a certain time. Do, do you see all this from the menorah, from the lampstand? All right, here's the almond. <laughs> Remember how it said the almond buds and the flowers? And Okay, here's the almond. The almond tree is a special significance in Tubshevet, and what that is, it's a minor Jewish festival celebrating the coming of spring, the ending of winter, the starting of spring. All right, the word for almond is shaked, which comes from the root word which means to watch or to wake up. The almond tree is among the first trees to wake up after the winter sleep. Therefore, they eat almonds on this day to celebrate the return of spring. It was kind of like our, uh, I guess you'd say, Arbor Day, where they celebrate, you know, the winter's gone, the spring has come, and they eat the almonds to celebrate the awakening. All right? In the scriptures, there's a play on words regarding the almond and God's watchfulness. He tells Jeremiah, he says, what do you see? He said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Jeremiah 1, 11 through 12. So it's a watching and an awakening. And what he's saying here in Jeremiah, he's saying, I'm awakening. It, it uses the word watching, but I'm awakening to see how everything performs. I'm renewing, I'm making everything new. Uh, you're leaving the winter, the dead, to come to life. The almond is a well-known symbol of resurrection as well. Because it's the first tree to flower from the winter into the spring. Now watch this. Yeah, per, per your description here, I'd describe it more like Easter than like Arbor Day. Kind of, kind of, yeah, regeneration. Yeah. And the flower comes out before anything else. And the flower has five petals. And you say, okay, so what? Let's think about this. The five petals represent the Torah, which is instructions. So the instructions of God came out before anything else, right? You had the instructions, then you had the appointed times, then you have the place, right? You're, you're with me? So that's, these come out before the tree develops. So here's the almond tree. We're going to keep on with the almond. It also has to do with the Sabbath. All right, and in this part dealing with the uh, almond in Rabbi Sobel's Torah portion, there are seven biblical holidays which we'll get to, and there's appointed times which is the Moadims, which is the Moad, to worship the Lord, Leviticus 23.1. The first appointed time was set from sundown to sundown, Friday night to Saturday night. It's called the Sabbath and it has a numerical value of 702. Now, the Sabbath was instituted when everything was created. You know, the heavens, the earth, the birds, the sea, and everything, and then on the seventh day, God Shabbated. <laughs> it's Shabbat, Sabbath, right? He rested, which is what Shabbat means, rest. It has a numerical value of 702. What does that mean? All right? 
The candlestick, or the lampstand, which stood in the holy place, known as the menorah. Here it is in Hebrew, ha-menorah, yaha bekana, which means a lamp, menorah lamp, and branches. The phrase menorah lamp and branches is 702. This connection is significant because it has seven branches and it corresponds to the seven days of the week, right? There's work days and on the seventh day we're commanded to rest. And the central, the central part of the menorah, the very middle part, was called the western lamp. The reason it was called the Western Lamp is because the Holy of Holies, which is what part of the Tabernacle and Temple? Where, where was the Holy of Holies facing? West. The West. So naturally, the center of the candlestick was facing West which was toward the Holy of Holies, which is toward the presence of God. All right, so it always faced toward the presence of God. Now we'll talk about the Western lamp more here in just a minute, but 702 is Sabbath, 702 is menorah and branches. When you look in the mirror, you see a reflection, but it's reversed, right? So let's take the menorah and look in a mirror and reverse it. What's the reverse of 702? 207. So what is 207? Light. And 207 is pure and refined. So guess what? One side and the other side when they mirror each other, one side is Sabbath and the other side is pure light and refinement. What was the menorah made of? Pure gold, pure and refined gold. What was the oil? Pure and refined oil. All right, so that here, continuing with the Sabbath, or Shabbat, as they would, it points to the Messiah both symbolically and numerically, because the Messiah, Yeshua, Shabbat was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, Mark 2. 27 and 28. The Messiah who is Lord of Sabbath came to prepare a way for the Masonic kingdom which is in Jewish thighs called the time of all Shabbat. Now here's what he's saying. He's coming to establish his kingdom where it's all Shabbat, all Sabbath, all rest. How many of you want that? <laughs> How many of you want all Shabbat? <laughs> Get pretty bored. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be something to mix it up, right? Yeah. So when, when, when we get there, I'll tell him that. I'll say, give him something to do. But it needs work. All Shabbat. So the menorah represented the continual presence of the Lord among the people. There was a daily, here's what I was talking about right here, the daily miracle that happened. In Jewish tradition, it was said, that when the priests come in every day to redo the light of the menorah, they had seven of them, obviously, three, three, and a center one, that when they would come in, the center one would never go out. So that when they re-put oil and wicks and everything in, and then re-lit them one by one and one and everything, that the center one, the western one, never went out. 
That, that's what they say. Which means that it was supposed to testify to the fact of the Shekinah glory of God, manifested presence of God that dwelt in the midst of Israel. The Jewish people referred to as the middle lamp as the western lamp. So it's representing the shining glory of God that never goes out. How does that point to Jesus? How does that point to Jesus? Here we go. Alright. Isaiah 9.6. Alright, we've heard this usually around Christmas time. Right? And around Christmas time it says for uh, Isaiah 9.6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, watch this, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many are there? Seven. How many branches of the menorah? What's in the middle? God. The Shekinah glory of God. Isn't that what it said? All right, watch this. Two chapters forward, Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11, 2. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. What happened when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water? The Spirit of the Lord, what? All right, are you seeing how it's pointing to Jesus? The spirit of wisdom, all right, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear. And for those of you who are not counting, how many of you think that is? Seven. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Here's a representation of menorah. Here it is, Isaiah 11:2, from right to left, understanding, might, Fear, and the center one is Spirit, Spirit, of Spirit of the Lord, knowledge, counsel, wisdom. So they go from right to left. Correct. Seven. From right to left. That's how they read, too. Mm. Hebrew reads from right to left. Mm. Seven. Menorah. The one in the center, Spirit of God. Right? Are you seeing a pattern? Are, are, are you seeing... This is the seven attributes of the Messiah, and the first one was uh, back here, Isaiah 9, 6. This is what he was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty right, God. for his birth. And then once he was born, here's the attributes of him, same seven, same menorah, same middle, Spirit of God. That's where we're headed. Here we go. Here's the center, right? On one side, we'll have the New Testament. On the other side is the Old Testament. Old Testament. All right. On one side, you have faith, hope, and love. On the other side, you have Torah, times, and temple. Now, times is, I said moed. When we had the triangles, it was moed, times, same thing. But I like these because it's TTT for Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> TTT, it's easier to remember that way. So Torah, times, and temple. Times also meaning moeds, which is the Hebrew word for it. So you have faith, hope, love, times, Torah, temple. The one in the center is your promise or a covenant 
of the coming Messiah, the Spirit, the glory of God that combines these two together. So you're with me so far, right? All right, here we go. Here are your feasts. Remember, there are seven feasts, right? And I'm going left to right, which is opposite, but that's okay. <laughs> Here you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then you have Passover. Then you have First Fruits. We'll skip this one and come back to it. Feast of Trumpets. And these are actually in order of when they happen. Feast of Trumpets, which is Yom Teruah. Uh, Yom Kippur, which is your Day of Atonement. And the last one being Tabernacles or Sukkot. And the middle one is Pentecost. Wait a minute. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down in the form of? A tongue of fire. A tongue of fire, a flame. Oh my goodness. What was in the center of the menorah? A flame that never went out. <laughs> so you see how you're going to look at the menorah in a totally different way now. And we haven't even gotten to menorah part two yet. <laughs> <laughs> so watch this. The reason for the season, we hear that during Christmas time, right? Here's the real reason for the season. You have certain laws, spiritual laws, that you can't get away from. Here you have spring, summer, and fall. Right, and we're going to go from left to right because that's English. Faith, hope, and love, we went over. Right? Now here's the law of seed, time, and harvest. You plant a garden. The springtime, put the seed. The summertime, you have the time for it to cultivate. And then the fall is the time to harvest it. Right? Then you have new life or resurrection. All right, which is the almond, which means the resurrection coming back to life, new life. The summertime is the time for works, and the fall is the time of reward. So here is our Christian life at the bottom. We are born again. We're called to do something so that at the end we will receive the heavenly reward. Right? So you're with me so far, right? <clears throat> Let's add to it. The winter is dead. It's a dead time. No life, Egypt, sin, bondage, slavery, whatever you want to call it, it's dead. So here's your new life. You come from this, you go to this, you work for this, and then get your this. <laughs> right? So watch this. Faith is what got you to Jesus. Hope is what got you through the hard times. And love is what you harvest as a reward forever and ever. Amen. Is it, is it making sense now? Yeah. All right, keeping on going. Remember the almond blossoms? All right, let's put all of it in one big thing here. Pretend this is a menorah. you got three branches on this side, three branches on this side. Here's the center. We'll get to Times, Temple, Torah, Faith, Hope, and Love, which we went over, right? Pat, and here's your seven. You have Passover, 
unleavened bread, first fruits, trumpets, Yom Kippur, tabernacle, the one in the center is Pentecost. Seed, time, and harvest, life, works, reward. Here are the seven attributes we went over in Isaiah. Understanding, might, fear, knowledge, counsel, wisdom. In the center is the Spirit of God, Pentecost. This is what puts all of it together. All right, the Spirit of God is what it's all about. Jesus was promised from the tabernacle time, and it's all of this is pointing to Jesus' coming so that we can have the Spirit of God so we can all be together. Remember at the very beginning, God wanted to tabernacle with us. He wanted to be with us. Right? The only way He can be with us is through His Spirit. So in the New Testament, we got the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes us all one. Alright. Here it is. Alright. Wow. Remember the counting of the Omar? What was the counting of the Omar? The Omer was from Passover to Pentecost. There was 50 days, right? From Passover to Pentecost was 50 days. That was the Omer, right? 50 represents Jubilee every 50 years. Pentecost, 50 from Passover to Pentecost. Here it is in the menorah. Here it is. It's 50 Every nap, every bud, every part, and 50 is in the center, which is Jesus, who makes the Spirit of God that connects everything together. And I just did this by numbers because you have this branch here. Here's the first piece, second, third, fourth, five, six, seven. And you can count them all. There's, it's all 50. So the menorah is a perfect 50 showing that through Jesus, we are going to have Jubilee forever and ever. Through Jesus, we're going to have Pentecost forever and ever. Through Jesus, the Messiah, it's, it's pure deity, it's pure anointing, it's pure light. So now you're not going to look at the menorah the same way, huh? <laughs> All right. So the spirit of Shalom, or Shabbat. Shalom in Hebrew, here's the word here. Uh, also spelled shalom, is a Hebrew word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity. This is why Rabbi Sobel says nothing missing, nothing broken. It, it means you're, you're put back together again. And Shabbat is a joyful day of rest. Shabbat is two commandments. Remember and observe. When you are celebrating your Sabbath, your day of rest, you are to remember and observe. When we did the table of showbread, when they did the Lord's Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me as an observation. When you do it, do it in a worthy way, right? Observe and remember. Do this and remember, observe it and remember me. So on our Sabbath, we are to remember everything that has happened, everything that we're promised, because this is remember and observe. Remember what this is all about. Remember what it entails. And part two 
we're going to go more into the oil, the lamps, the wicks, and even more mysteries. This was just a basic understanding to show you how this and the Star of David kind of go together because the Star of David has six, you know, two triangles put together and then the center makes the seven. Because mm -hmm. the center was the promise of God to David that your throne, Messiah is coming through your throne, right, through your descendants. This is our promise that through the center, Jesus, the spirit of it all, we're going to get Jubilee. We're going to get Pentecost. We're going to get all Shabbat, except for Ben. <laughs> He's going to keep busy. <laughs> but this is why you can see the Jewish roots to it all, the menorah and the Star of David, why they're so important. And I'd probably be willing to bet that most Jews really wouldn't recognize this deep. They're just saying the Star of David, it was the promise of David. Yes, but the promise of what? It was a promise of faith and hope and love. And love is the center of it all. Because faith, hope, and love, and I'm going to give you, this is free, I'm going to throw this in for free. <laughs> faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love, and you probably never hear this anywhere else but here, and I'm not saying that in a boastful way. Faith, hope, and love. Let's say... Judgment Day is here, and it's, you know, forever and ever, amen, right? We won't need faith anymore. We won't need hope anymore, what we're hoping for, because it's here. Love is the only thing that's going to remain forever. Love never stops. Faith, we won't need. Hope, we won't need. Love is the only thing that's left. That's why it's the greatest, because it's the one that will never end. The one that will never end. Now I'm going to throw this out too. This was one solid piece. This wasn't molded. This wasn't pieced together and soldered and welded. This was one solid piece. And I heard from uh, Perry Stone in East Tennessee who said they had some guys from MIT look at this and try and replicate it and they could not do it because if this is solid gold solid gold is kind of malleable and soft yeah. right that these arms kept drooping and they couldn't but the one that was designed to make it made it in a way to where it didn't droop so god told him the specific way to do it and the only way to do it where it would be solid one piece. And so far to this day that I know of, we can't replicate that. And that's why I couldn't find a model of that for him. Yeah. <laughs> I tried and tried Aww. and tried. She did. She tried so hard to get a model so I could have it, it here. close to what it really was like. But you can't find that. You can't. Now you can find the one from the temple because mm -hmm. uh, that's on the Arch of Titus. They, they inscribed it on the Arch of Titus. But, but from the tabernacle, which is what this is right here. That's from the Arch of Titus. That was from the temple, but not the tabernacle. This one was specifically set up. I want this, I want this, and I want this, and I want it made like this. The tabernacle was the very first one. And it had a tripod for a base, like this. 
<laughs> it didn't have a base base like this. The one in the temple had a base. But the very first one in the tabernacle had a tripod. Think about that. Tripod. Faith. Hope. Love. Father. Son. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Did they carve? Did he carve it out of that? It was hammered. It, it was all <clears throat> hammered. I don't know how. It was, well, it these were some hammered. of the best artisans in Egypt, mm -hmm. so they really knew how to do this type of thing. So I, I don't know how. Wow. It just said it was hammered and forged, and it did, but it wasn't molded, and it wasn't welded together or pieced together. It was one solid piece. Except, no, I, I take that back, and you'll learn this next week. Except for these. And that's what held the oil and the wicks. Those sat on top of it. So it was kind of like a little bowl that sat on top of it. So, so these were the only things that were not permanent on it. Now how big was that? That's a very good question. Because everything in the tabernacle, except for the labor and this, had a specific height, weight, size. It doesn't really give a specific size. It doesn't say two cubits or three cubits or it never really said. It just said, I want these on here and I want these many. So it said what to have on it, but it didn't say how big. The one in Israel that you can go to and visit uh, had it at about, when I saw the pictures, was about this high. So, honestly, I don't know. It didn't really specify a specific size. Gold's pretty heavy, so it wouldn't have been huge at 75 pounds. And yeah. in a fairly reasonable size. Yeah. So it, it may have been about two and a half, three feet, and it had to be big enough to illuminate a room just about this size. <laughs> and, and that would probably do it. And I, the things I learned from this, when I started looking at this, it was really cool that you see these little spouts here? That's where the wick would stick out. And that's the way the light would illuminate. So it always went forward. So this one always faced the west toward the Holy of Holies, toward the presence of God. So they would kind of... Tilted that way to fate. Yeah. <laughs>